Ryan Reynolds here from Mint Mobile. With the price of just about everything going up during inflation, we thought we'd bring our prices down. So to help us, we brought in a reverse auctioneer, which is apparently a thing. Mint Mobile Unlimited Premium Wireless. How to get 30, 30, to get 30, how to get 20, 20, 20, how to get 20, 20, to get 15, 15, 15, 15, just 15 bucks a month? So, Give it a try at mintmobile.com slash switch. $45 up front for three months plus taxes and fees. Promote for new customers for limited time. Unlimited more than 40 gigabytes per month. Slows. Full terms at mintmobile.com. Since 2013, Bombas has donated over 100 million socks, underwear, and T-shirts to those facing homelessness. If we counted those on air, this ad would last over 1,157 days. But if we counted the time it takes to make a donation possible, it would take just a few clicks. Because every time you make a purchase, Bombas donates an item to someone who needs it. Go to bombas.com slash ACAST and use code ACAST for 20% off your first purchase. That's bombas.com slash ACAST, code ACAST. Hello, welcome to Film Fandango, the film podcast. My name's David Reed, and this is Marek Larwood. Hello there. You sound older, David. I am older. I've had a birthday since our last episode. Many happy returns. Ah, uh, thank you. Um, do you feel older at all? No, not really. No. No, it's an, it's an early 30s. It doesn't really have any significance, does it? I'm just counting down towards 40 now. It's my birthday very soon as well. I'm in my late thirties. It has more significance. So you're the Danny Glover of our uh, of our uh, double act. Well, uh, Danny Glover <laughs> was about sixty, right? <laughs> That's right. Yeah, he was. <laughs> he was closer to retirement. Well, old age certainly hasn't bought you um, uh, many manners, David. <laughs> David Reed. Anyway, we're not here to talk about uh, age. Films. Yeah, we're here to talk about. Films, as usual. Now, you went to see one of the bigger re- releases out at the moment. Yes, I went to see one of the summer blockbusters. It sounds like a really patronising start, doesn't it? Why, why am I talking in a patronising way? I don't know. <sighs> you feeling particularly superior today? Inferior, if anything. That's, well, what, people, that's, that's, why, it, that's what happens, though. People who are feel inferior tend to patronise other people. It's a way of disguising it. That's just what I think. Um, I went to see Godzilla. God, uh, Zilla, uh, he's uh, he's just shown his back on the poster. He's being very aloof in this it's, one, isn't he? It's a he? bit like that. I went to see this on the day after it was released, so uh, quite um, about ten days ago, or something quite a while ago. Yeah, and I was the only person in the cinema in a four hundred seater. The only person. Is it not doing that well? I can't imagine it. It's, it was it was an afternoon showing, but you think on the second day there'd be at least. One person, yeah, but it was the summer weather syndrome, I suppose. Yeah, I mean, it's got Brian Cranston in the lead role, right? Is that he's popular? It's Brian got, Cranston, he's got it? Godzilla, he's not been in anything for a while, but he is popular, right? Well, um, let me tell you about this film. So, Brian Cranston's in it, um, and is it Juliet Binoche? I'm just, it is that, um, I should know this, this French one. This tapping is just me looking up in there. Uh, uh, in the in the background, um, the interest the interesting thing that people have been talking about is the director of this. Well, uh, I've got I've got loads to say about. It. Yeah, go on I, then, go ahead. Go go, on. Why don't you tell us the plot first? Okay, so um, it's uh, well, the plot is uh, Brian Cranston and his wife Juliet Binoche yeah. uh, in Japan. The, 
the whole first 20 minutes, I couldn't really concentrate because I think Brian Cranston was filming this during the same time as Breaking Bad or something because he had a wig. It was a really terrible wig. But his hair was exactly the same hair as Juliet Binoche. <laughs> like their brother and sister. Really yeah. odd. Because his hair looked like it was a fake wig. Because you know when you... If you shave your head completely and you're bald... Yeah. The hardest thing to do with wigs, convincingly, is the edges. So the actual bit of the well, hair... Because you need something to weave it into. Exactly. Yeah. Mundo. Yeah. I don't know if anyone can confirm this, but please have a look at Brian Cranston's hair and tell me if you're weirded out by it. A, because it looks weird... And B, and it doesn't really move properly. They get a very perfect hairline, don't they? When when you've got a wig, like the, it's got sort of um, very thin sort of gauze that they then glue to your head. Yeah, and hope that the cameras don't pick up. Well, there was a big problem and... that when they first went into HD, all the makeup people were shitting their pants. Yeah, yeah, because they thought because normally that is yeah, it's just threaded onto gauze. And they can't get that tiny change. Yeah, well, any makeup not. as well, because rather yeah. than rather than covering up blemishes to make people look more perfect in an HD world you're just making them look like people who wear makeup and of course much of it is 4k now that's right so now it's become far more the domain of actually beautiful flawless people well people's faces look like arseholes <laughs> well maybe we'll just get used to that instead we're just like oh, I love to watch someone with a face like a slapped arsehole yeah Running, um, about, running about the place. Anywho, so where, where were we? Uh, Brian Cranston. <laughs> yeah. I'm just going to cut you dead. Yeah, sure. Fine. <laughs> Brian Cranston and, and Juliet Binoche and their son live in Japan and there's an earthquake and something bad happens and Brian Cranston becomes obsessed with finding out the cause of this earthquake. Basically, it's a film about monsters taking over the world. Uh, Godzilla isn't the main monster. There's two other monsters. Who are? They're just sort of mon- monsters that just... Mothra. No, they're not really named. They're, I think, talking of monsters, if you've seen the film Monsters... Yes, I have. ...which is Gareth Edwards' film that made him sort of a big hit, an indie film, he shot really low budget and did uh, all the special effects himself. But Well, but well that's just... he's one of that generation of Hollywood suddenly discovers that people have the capability to do big budget special effects at home if they're just very good at it so um, Neil Blomkamp doing District 9 was another one of these but yeah he made Monsters on very little money as you say um, what did you think of Monsters? Cause... I thought it was and I think it's very interesting parallels between this and Monsters because Monsters you, it's more of a su- suggestion of the monster mm. and there isn't and as far as just uh, warning for any, any maybe some spoilers here for Monsters Um I think it's on Netflix or it's, you can get it quite... I think it is on Netflix. It's on Film 4 relatively recently in the uh, run-up to Godzilla as well. Yeah. yeah. Um, it's This guy goes to South America somewhere, doesn't he, to pick up some... Uh, He's a photojournalist yeah. and um, basically the borders get closed because of uh, these monsters and he no he's sent by his company to go pick up his boss's daughter that's what it is and uh, he needs to bring her home uh, and everything goes wrong and they have to cross the contaminated zone it's the only way of getting out of there and and that was uh, the horror comes from it's that sort of unseen thing you do see bits of the monsters mm. but it's that threat of the unknown which is very effective and it's not really um 
when it's called monsters in your head, you think of a, a traditional sort of action monster. So yeah. it's it's more of an art house film. Would you say? Well, I get like District Nine. I thought what both those films do very well is rather than we have a, live in a normal world, uh, you know, uh, go, everyone going about their everyday routine lives, and then suddenly you just plonk a big monster in the middle of it, and everyone runs around screaming like Cloverfield. Mm. What those what Blomkamp and um, Edwards have managed to do um, is make a world where monsters are around all the time and we've gotten sort of used to it and they create a very sort of realistic world where that's the case you know they can these things are still dangerous but they just exist amongst us kind of thing we coexist and, and it, that that's a new sort of monster movie really and that's what so felt so original I mean the Gareth is incredible because he just his rise to fame there's a film convention called Sci-Fi London yeah I think it was like, yeah, 2008, I think he entered it, and he won. And if it's a four, uh, yeah, I entered that year as well. He did a 48-hour film challenge. Yeah. And he did loads of special effects in his, and he won that. I don't believe he did his in 48 hours. Well, he might all. have had stuff before. Well, no, but I, I've talked about this with a friend of mine, and it's I, I don't believe he cheated at all. I'm not saying that. But if he does a lot of CG on his computer, he'll have had many man hours gone into making yeah, digital yeah. models that he still had on his computer so they're ready to roll on stuff you know? so, so he won um, that then he got mo- funding for Monsters which yeah. is his own film which he did uh, the special effects in again and then in Godzilla so the rise to fame that's so fast isn't it so is incredible fast. from 2008 and he's well pretty much he's born in 1975 so that's sort of scary he's like pretty much you know, a tiny bit older than me yeah yeah terrifying but it's incredible what he's done but going back to the point I was, I was going to make was in Monsters there's a strange feel about that they feel quite alien and quite um, the way he does his special effects monsters they're quite sort of hard edged weird uh, ant like mm. creatures I can't describe them they've got a strange aliens feel to them which aren't the traditional sort of sloppy scary monster they're just uh, almost half robotic half alien in a way if you see mm. what I mean yeah yeah and these and the monsters in Godzilla sorry for the spoilers are the, uh, not Godzilla but the other two monsters that are wrecking the earth are these same sort of robotics the look of them I don't know if it really works in an action film okay it's like monsters from an art film mm. being put into an action film I can't really explain it until you see it they, they seem too arty to be in this blockbuster film okay um, I, I want to see what you mean now. I mean, finding a new monster is a really hard thing for people to do now because since it's become a genre, everyone wants to invent the new alien or yeah. predator or whatever, and n- nobody's really done any that has become iconic. Well, these don't have the charisma of those. Yeah. They're not the huge monsters. They're I just... really like the ones in Attack the Block. I thought they were new. Mm. Did you see that film? Mm-hmm. With the proper just sort of furry puppet things with glowing blue teeth. I thought they were great fun. You know, mm. obviously not as uh, genre-defining as predecessors, but I thought they were creative at least. They were really fun. Yeah, these but, are different, but, but these are very similar to the Monsters one. Um, and then, so what happens is, it's a usual uh, state of affairs. These monsters start ruining the world, then Godzilla appears. You don't know whether Godzilla is a force of good or evil, and there's lots of battles... And the special effect, you know, these. It, it, I'm so used, as regular listeners will know, I hate superhero films and I don't like big action blockbusters. Mm. If you like buildings being smashed up and people running and screaming and that sort of business, 
you'll find it uh, vaguely interesting. Because it has split critics, this one, hasn't it? I mean, I've heard equally people uh, going on about how great it is as to people saying it's a load of poo. It's dull. I found it really dull and tedious to the point I was almost falling asleep in it. I mean, um, the main cast is basically Aaron Taylor Johnson, uh, who you recognise from Kick Ass. Yeah. He's the son of Brian Cranston, right. who's going to sort of overcome an ex army guy who's going to help overcome Godzilla or the monsters or whichever yeah, one yeah. is bad. His wife is played by this before, and they've got kids. Use a boring thing. Sally Hawkins, who. Oh, Sally's in it. Yes. She plays a professor along with uh, David Straiten, I can't remember his name, but her role is it's not even a role. She's a great British, she was in Blue Valentine and uh, Mike Lee film. Uh, in um, Dry- She's in lots of Mike Lee films, but she was in, um, uh, God, my brain has dried up. Uh, the All or one. Nothing she's in, she's in uh, Happy. Made in Dagenham. That's it. She's uh, in uh, Happy Go Lucky. Um, yeah. Well, she's a great actress. She just plays a sort of sidekick scientist in this. Very good. And she's in my play. Totally. She's totally wasted. Yeah. Doesn't say any lines of any just terrible, terrible uh, exhibition lines. Is all she says. What is it with blockbusters having too many characters? I mean, they they just pack them in rather than flesh out characters they've already need for the plot. You know. Yeah. It's a pain in the arse. Um, I just found it, I, it... I'd seen it all before. I think it looked good. It was well shot. The monsters were interesting, but not charismatic enough. And I thought it was overlong, boring, and didn't make me feel anything different to what I felt before. I didn't do anything new. I think... It made me feel like I wanted to watch Cloverfield again. I thought Cloverfield was brilliant. I really liked Cloverfield. It was yeah. different and it was really exciting because you were put right with the people and they film on their mobile phones. You know, Cloverfield's basically it's a, it's a similar thing. A monster attacks New York. It's it? a, yeah, and it's a found footage film. Yeah, so they, but done they, really, really well. And just before, just before everyone had done done found footage yes. as well. But it's exactly what I was describing with the previous uh, mon- monster genre of. That Godzilla is probably you know the the inventor of it, I guess, of a monster in an urban environment. But um, adding found footage into that because they now can with CGI. So yeah, the, there's just fleeting glances of this monster, and what Cloverfield did so well is slowly building how much you see of it. And in the beginning, it's nothing. You know, it's yeah, glances yeah. of movement suddenly in the smoke, and then you know a building is destroyed. You know, like what on earth was that? And it's done really well. There's one shot I hate in Cloverfield okay. uh, where uh, basically the monster looks directly into camera uh, towards okay, the end. Yeah, You're yeah. like, well, that's that's all of that. That's all of that subtlety and taste gone out the window. I don't know. I still enjoyed it, but I thought Cloverfield was generally, generally scared, gen- genuinely scary and it actually set up both set of the characters at the start. It doesn't take much. All you need is 20 minutes of characters doing something for you to start to care yeah. about them. And this didn't do do this. I mean, I know Godzilla has got sort of that sort of Japanese sort of origins. I'm not sure. I think it's from uh, the post uh, Hiroshima bomb period. Is I think it, it's all tied in with sort of uh, the bomb. Yeah, so because that's why uh, there was some sort of nod to the Japanese yeah. uh, heritage of it at the start by basing it, basing it there. But it, was, it just feels. I mean. The, the whole of the shots feel quite grey. It feels like it's graded quite grey. Yes. And I'd say that was uh, uh, quite portentous about the, 
the film itself being is it fun great. I mean surely a monster no, film has not, to be fun it's not it's not the tone is serious there's no jokes or anything in it uh, and I think it's got a great cast as well I really think you know uh, Brian Cranston Judith Benoche Aaron Taylor Johnson really good actors yeah they're good people but um Oh, sorry, the, the Doctor Psycho got it wrong. It was uh, Ken um, Watanabe. Oh, yeah. He plays uh, one of the scientists. I thought he was terrible. Really? Yeah. What else has he been in? Because his name's very He's in Inception and Batman Begins. You recognize oh, yeah, his yeah, yeah. I know him, yeah. Um, he's in Old Man Makeup in Inception for part of it, isn't he? Yeah, so um, it was a lot of recognisable faces... I think maybe Gareth Edwards might be more of a special effects guy than a big blockbuster guy. I thought Monsters has harm. Monsters is a far more interesting film. Go and watch it. Rather than Godzilla, Monsters and Cloverfield are better horror films that are that Godzilla sits somewhere in between and is not as good as either. But is he a good enough storyteller to be given more opportunities to do different I think things? He's good. I mean, what he's it's not a terrible film. It's just a dull film. Okay. You don't go out of it thinking. Uh, uh, well, I said it was. I think I tweeted it was shit, but it was just. It's not a, a awful, terrible film. It's just a disappointment, sort of a damp squib. I mean, you, you've got to care about your characters and have a good story to tell, in order to care about enormous monsters yeah, rampaging I th- around. I mean, I'm trying to think of the last time. Cloverfield is probably the last one that I really enjoyed, and I'd say Jurassic Park is in that genre as well, of just a really good example of the genre. I don't know whether they had to sort of be too um, faithful to Godzilla itself. And there's a question whether. No one cares, go- though, do they? I mean, Godzilla is an image in people's heads. It's it's a dinosaur attacking Tokyo. That's all Godzilla well, is, isn't it? I think the problem is, I think maybe Godzilla is best off rooted in cartoons. Yeah rather than real life and well it used to be a, a good huge... guy with, who breathed fire and attacked other giant monsters well on this you don't know if he's a bad guy or a good okay. guy well, I mean it, it, it's... is Godzuki in it no I wonder his what scrappy do if... kind of cousin I hate Godzuki <laughs> I want to see Godzuki and scrappy do kill each other in a fight did you see the um, Scooby Doo movie no because, uh, well, spoilers, everyone, if you want to see... I've seen bits of it on TV, and it's got that guy, really annoying guy from Scream, playing Shaggy, yeah, yeah. I can't stand. Oh, Matthew great, Lillard. Yeah, and the Great Dane, which is all... The CGI Great Dane's terrible. Yeah, but the baddie in it turns out to be uh, robotic... Spoilers, guys. Um, robotic Rowan Atkinson, who is being piloted by Scrappy-Doo. So Scrappy-Doo is the baddie of the piece. Oh, God. Yeah. It's weird, isn't it? Um, it's an odd era. Buffy as, da- as uh, Daphne and uh, her husband, Freddie Prince Jr., as Fred. What happened to Freddie Prince Jr.? What happened to Freddie Prince Jr.? He was going to be the big star. He's probably raising his wife's kids while she continues to work. I'm going to look him up. So overall, I give it four. Four Marricks for Godzilla. Yeah. Well, uh, I shan't go and see it. I like Brian Cranston and... Uh, Sally Hawkins and Juliette Binoche enough that if it comes on Netflix or something, I might sit through it. But that's what I recommend. Yeah, I think I think it's uh, you can have it in the background while you're doing your ironing or doing um, I don't know your nails. If you're um, maybe you're polishing a buffing your brass um, things you put under a fireplace, David. Oh, it's about time I did that. Yeah, <laughs> I need to get my brass polish out. Um. 
This is the middle section now, isn't it? Middle section. Yeah. Um, so that review is quite grey and and all over the place. No, you've been the... inspired by the film itself, haven't you? Yeah. Um, do you, you want to read something? Um, yes, I would like to um, read one of our readers' letters. Who is this from? This is from Matt Ray. Um, uh, you can try doing a Cumbrian accent, but I'm guessing it will come out ever Scouse or Geordie. Cumbrian accent. Where, what? I don't know a Cumbrian. Cumbrian's on the border of Scotland, isn't it? Is it? Yeah. Scouse or Geordie, but that's they're miles away from each other. I've no idea. I'm just going to have to pick something. Do the most different. northern you can do without being in Scotland. That is Cumbrian. That's Newcastle, isn't it? Uh, but Newcastle's on the east. This is on the Cumbrian's more on the west sort of thing, isn't it? Oh right. Oh, sort of Carlisle sort of. Yeah, Carlisle's in there. Yeah. I don't know what a Carlisle accent is. Uh, my wife and I are planning a trip to New York. And that's I've, it, that's it, that's and it. And I've noticed that the musical O Hedwig and the Angry starring Neil Patrick Harris is showing on Broadway. We're both huge Patrick Harris fans and haven't hearing that Hedwig is one of David's favourite films. We have agreed it is a must-see. But we have not seen the film yet. My question is, should we watch the film before seeing the musical or the other way around? Your advice would be deeply appreciated. Keep watching the films. Matt Ray, Whitehaven, Cumbria. Um, perfect, absolutely that perfect. Good? Yeah. <laughs> My family's from <laughs> Carlisle and I've no idea what their accent is. Have you never spoken to your family? No, well, they've moved there. They don't really have the accent. Um... Uh, and we don't talk to the locals when we go there. Um, Hedwig and the Angry Inch, very good. It's a one-man uh, slash woman uh, play uh, with a band. Um, and the uh, the film directed and written and starring uh, John Cameron Mitchell, who wrote the original, is brilliant. For me... With musicals, I think it's always better to know the songs beforehand. I think you always you get more out of it. You them more. You exactly. can enjoy them Otherwise, more. Because you have to let music wash over you. And if you're trying to focus on the lyrics and what is this one about? Oh, I think I did that like that one. Then it's, you're just in sort of the wrong mind space. Personally, I would watch the film first and then get more out of the live experience. Neil Patrick Harris is Doogie Howser. He is Doogie Howser, but he has had a sort of... Uh, second wind in America he's now a sort of god there he's always presenting their award shows and doing musical numbers and uh, stuff I wish I had one of those <laughs> one of those second winds yeah you're yeah. due mate you're due yeah he was in uh, Starship Troopers is what, what he sort of reappeared in uh, Neil Patrick Harris he played the uh, the psychic SS officer style character mm. best friend I haven't seen that I haven't seen that in ages. It's a good old film. Um, yes, go and watch Hedwig if you haven't already. Um, have we got any more letters? Yeah, here's one here. Do you want it's to read it? from Tim Wade. He doesn't say where he's from. Which is just <laughs> neglectful, right? <laughs> Absolutely. Um, I'll just read it. High MDB. That's quite good, isn't it? Clever. So no, you've done that. You've got David, high, high MDB. High MDB. Do you so it sounds like IMDB. 
Matt David Bowie. Do you think that's that's intentional? It must be, right? Yeah. Hey, yeah, that's great. Um, that's a. I'll take it all back, Tim. That's a really good start to an email. <laughs> Hi, MDB. Just thought I'd let you know about a great film I've seen. Don't know if you've talked about it before, but I can't remember it having come up. Forgive me if you have, though. It's a documentary from 2012 called Stories We Tell, and it's essentially just a story about a family told through interviews with various family members and directed by the youngest daughter. Won't say too much, but suffice to say I found it really gripping and would definitely recommend you check it out. Especially as the antidote to a load of the old tosh around in the cinema at the moment. Cheers, guys. Keep up the good work on the podcast. Stroke sleeping and chewing things. That's, I think that's a reference to Buddy, buddy isn't it? Yeah, yeah. Um, <laughs> I hope. I did watch Stories We Tell. I think I talked about it about six months, four or five months ago, because someone else recommended it. Yes. It, a documentary, yeah, what, it's what he says in the letter. Okay. It's her, a woman made, basically her mum leaves the family and she makes a documentary trying to find out how everyone whatever members of the family felt about it and why she left and why she was different why the relationship didn't work where can you track this down is it, it, it I bought it off iTunes okay. it's on there I thought it was going to be a when you see documentaries like The Imposter and other ones which have an amazing endings yes. I think I've been a bit spoiled because I thought it was going to be a really great twist and there isn't, it just sort of peters out. Life doesn't give you endings. Yeah, I thought it was. A, I quite enjoyed it, but I'm sorry, Tim. It's not been my favourite documentary. <laughs> <laughs> the uh, director of Searching for Sugar Man died recently. Did you see that? Yeah, it's terrible, isn't it? He's only in 35. Yeah, really tragic because it was a great film. There's yeah. another one for you, people. If you've not seen it, Searching for Sugar Man is excellent. Track that down. Um, thank you for your letters. Thank you, Tim. Uh, if you'd like to get in in contact with us, then you can email us, dearfilmfandango at gmail.com, or go on our Facebook page, forward slash filmfandango, or simply tweet us at filmfandango, or personally at Mr. David Reed or at Marrick Larwood. Or write it uh, 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 on a, a bit of paper in your own blood, put it in the bin and chuck the bin out the window. And we will be there. Yes. Come rain or shine within 48 hours. Yes. Preferably in the sunshine, so the the the, um, the blood doesn't get spilt and, uh, and and wet. Yes, it's really annoying when we finally find a bin with a message for us and it's unreadable. Yeah, there's nothing more frustrating. Nothing more. Um, yes, and we also do this podcast uh, for free. Um, so, if you would like to show your gratitude for these uh, free episodes every week, then why not help us keep the podcast going by donating? on our website filmfandango.co.uk there is a donate button from there and for everyone who has thank you very 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 much uh, you're the reason there's another episode this week um, that's it middle section over yes middle section over and <clears throat> you're, we're going to talk about um, as we're getting to the halfway point of the year or nearly roughly there we've always we pick out a couple of films that we've seen that we found interesting or enjoyed to mm. talk about but you might, if you don't want to go to cinema because at the moment cinema is pretty shit it's pretty it's pretty dog shit isn't it it's the sort of bobbins fest um, I I saw a film that you know what I've enjoyed it in terms of how much I wanted to think about it afterwards, how much it is a sort of piece of cinema history, but is not in any way a good film. 
What but is I it? just found it fascinating. I saw it the other day, and it is The Wiz. I've wanted to see it for a while. The Wiz is an adaptation of The Wizard of Oz with an all-black cast, with Diana Ross as uh, Dorothy. Uh, Michael Jackson How is... How old is this film? It was made in 1978. I've never heard of it. Michael Jackson is uh, the Scarecrow. Richard Pryor is the Wizard. And the music's by Quincy Jones. Holy shit, it's got good people in it. Yeah, really good people. Um, and the uh, Eveline, the evil witch, played by Mabel King, is a phenomenal turn. Uh, absolutely brilliant. But this film is terrible, but fascinating. Guess what it's got on IMDb? 5.8? 5.1 which okay. is a pretty bad sign it's a pretty bad sign now listen this it's it's 1978 so we're feeling sort of the 80s aesthetic creep up on us in history I suppose and they want to do a Motown um, version of The Wizard of Oz lovely idea They and they make it uh, sort of not gritty but certainly urban in that it's set in uh, Manhattan and sort of the the gri- the grimier bits of Manhattan as well. Making me um, just think to me exactly like Sesame Street. It's Brooklyn, really. Yeah, it's a bit Sesame Streety, but uh, darker than that. But two things happen in the development process that sort of doom this project. One of them is that uh, Diana Ross, who is not an actor, hasn't done anything before or since this really, really wanted to play Dorothy and campaigned to get the part. Now, she was already in her late 30s at this point and the character of Dorothy is a 13-year-old girl. There's nothing wrong with that. Um, And the director really, really didn't want Diana Ross in the role. And she said, well, I can guarantee you that Michael Jackson will do the film if you cast me as Dorothy. And the director left the project over this because the studio wanted Diana Ross as a result because they wanted Michael Jackson. And so they got in to replace the director. Um, the Rather than somebody who with experience of musicals, or uh, they got C- Sidney Lumet, Lumet yeah. um, who you may know is the director of 12 Angry Men. Yeah. Like, that is not a... That is not a sort of musicals guy, but he was a safe pair of hands who always, always uh, finished on time and always finished on budget. Uh, he did Dog Day Afternoon as well, which a brilliant film. These are brilliant films. The network, really, really good. Yeah. The direction is so weird, and Diana Ross is so weird in this film. She's playing it like she's constantly on the verge of a mental breakdown. Like, everything around... She's playing it real, as if you did suddenly fall into a magical world where everything around you was sinister and didn't make sense. She's playing it like she's on the verge of uh, tears. I've never heard of this. Continually. And the director... uh, Everything is so dark... As in, I don't mean thematically, just the lights are really dark. He doesn't, you can't see anything a lot of, well, you can, but you know what I mean? It's just like gloomy and like like some scenes in Highlander or something, but mm. it's a musical with singing and dancing. And what, he is, puts is the, the camera the high and far away and unmoving, just sort of watching stuff like a technician from the gallery is watching a rehearsal. And there's no joy in the direction at all. It isn't joining in. And as a result, it seems 
sort of creepy and depressing. And it's so strange. It's really, really up because there are such touches in this film that could make it brilliant. Like it's it's got sort of proper sinisterness, uh, like sort of labyrinth or something does in that way where things come to life and are really sort of in your face and scary. Like the crows are particularly good or there's a bit where the pillars in a subway station uh, break out of uh, the up from the floor and start chasing them. And stuff. Oh no! Yeah, it's like it's this good bit, but I just it's really interesting. Like the director did not enjoy what was happening at all. <laughs> Have you read anything about what was going on on the set or anything like that? Or only that you know he he was a safe pair of hands and that's why they got him rather than rather than he was you know good at this. But he he he's a naturalism director. He would just plonk a camera down leave it running and get a great performance out of his actors but you can't do that with a, a musical you've got to the camera yeah. has to be showing you how much fun we're all having it's got to be in amongst it it can't be distant and far away there's a, don't plonk in my musical there's an amazing song which is uh, get on down get on down the road which is the another one yeah that's from this ah um, okay Quincy Jones wrote all the songs and it's uh, th- it's the equivalent of um, we're off to see the wizard yeah yeah but the entire thing is shot from behind them you never see their faces as they're walking away from camera for the entire song and it's so impersonal and bizarre is the music good though? yeah yeah by and large some of them are sort of forgettable but the music is good and as I say there's what my favourite number from the whole thing is Evelyn's number the baddie but again bizarrely she doesn't appear until just before Dorothy kills her okay. she's got one song and then she's, that, she's not that presence throughout the whole film that is you know uh, dogging their every move, she's just sort of appears at the end, and it, it's really flawed. Are they good performances in it? Apart from Diana Ross, everyone's excellent. Michael Jackson, he is phenomenal in this. Really, and it's a real shame that he didn't do more acting because he's so technically gifted. He could have been like a, a Charlie Chaplin or something, but he wasn't mm. interested. He was a musician and a dancer. That's he didn't want to do in terms of his control of his movement. Yeah, he could have been. Uh, I think it's a really interesting comparison because Charlie Chaplin, you see him, and you're. When we we watched um, modern was it modern times we watched last year. Yeah, yeah. I mean, and you've you... got these big. big well, I guess you do get the gift in this film that you get to just uh, blankly see the technique of everyone because the camera doesn't keep moving. And you've got these big ensemble numbers like this one. Uh, uh, Oz itself is the um, square between the twin towers. Um, which is which they filmed the entire thing in. It's just the 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 wizard is in the towers. And do you uh, think that it was something to do with? <laughs> I don't think so. But you've got all of these dancers, you know, giving it their all, trying, you know, these ensemble, and your eye is always drawn to Michael Jackson, like because he's just better than everybody else. Mm. Uh, poor old Michael. Yeah, poor old Michael. So it's worth a watch then. Where do you where do you watch it on? Is it on Netflix? It was on Netflix, yeah. So um I just, you know, I'd heard about it as this sort of like a Motown version of Wizard of Oz. What an odd idea, but sort of cool. And it could have been genius, is why it's sort of interesting to watch. Mm. And just You know what? Diana Ross reminded me of Elizabeth Berkeley in Showgirls. Where you go, you've made a bold choice, but boy is it the wrong I choice. I don't think she's that bad in Showgirls. Oh, she's 
insane. Her character's mental. I think it's fascinating. I think it's watchable. Well, that's it. That's it. But Diana Ross sort of is, but in a far more... It's not as enjoyable because she is playing it so dark Mm. when it's supposed to be a musical. She's playing it dark, the director's playing it dark, and the others aren't doing enough... can't do enough to bring it out of that hole that the two of them are putting it in. Oh, the whiz. The whiz. I just have to see the Muppet Wizard of Oz now, and then I'll be happy. Um, super. Should I talk about one I've really enjoyed? Yeah, go on. What have you seen? This was recommended to me by um, friend of the show, Paul Allen. Um, well, he's my, he's my, I say that, he's one of my friends. Um, <laughs> <laughs> he's a real-life friend. Um, who I used to bully on the bus and way to school, because he was friends with my... Um, but he was a younger brother, my best friend. So it's Stockholm Syndrome. He's still sort of fond of you. Uh, and... He is in love with me. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> um, it's After Hours. Martin Scorsese's After Hours. Right. Um, Sounds like a dinner mint. It does sound a bit like <laughs> a, a dinner mint. I'm not... A, I haven't been a huge Scorsese uh, fan, which is... I haven't for many years. I like his early stuff. Like, what? what did you like? Scorsese... Uh, Goodfellas, I like. Yes. Well, no, oh, Shutter Island. Yeah, Sh- uh, Goodfellas is great. Shutter Island's great. I don't like Shutter Island. I think it's rubbish. No. Uh, the Wolf of Wall Street, I didn't I particularly didn't, like. I didn't go to see it. I wasn't interested. And Hugo, I thought, I thought um, it was just a really Hugo, weird... I, I didn't like either. I thought it was lame. Um, Gangs of New York is terrible. Yeah. Uh, the Departed is really mediocre. It's like a, a made-for-TV movie with an A-list cast. Yeah. Uh, it's Frank Lampard's favourite film of all time. What is? The Departed. Really? Yeah. Well, I hope you're listening, uh, Frank Lampard. Uh, so what he'll do when he retires, he'll be listening to Film Fantango non-stop. Probably. Um, he made After Hours just uh, after uh, The King of Comedy. So it was Raging Bull, The King of Comedy of and After Hours. I think this is one of my favourite... This is a, a, an amazing film. He was good back then, wasn't he? But... Griffin, the main star of this film is Griffin Dunn, and you will all recognise him as the from one of the greatest films of all time, An American Wealth in London. Yes, he is uh, the main guy's friend who something bad happens to at the start. Yes, but it's in, I mean, enough people have seen it, so it's not really a spoiler. He's in the scene in the cinema as well. Yes, so the famous and, scene. And, Hello, buddy. and he's really, really likable. I remember watching American Wealth in London, thinking, why? is he not more well-known because his performance in that is great. In this, he plays... It's a very simple story. Apparently, this script was written by some sort of... I can't a college student wrote this script and handed it in. It's quite a circuit. It's a really neat, tight story. If a guy, he leaves work one day, he hates his job, um, he meets this uh, girl in a cafe and gets a telephone call and decides to go round to her house and he's just trying to get back home and everything is going wrong and it's like a series of set pieces of him meeting these weird characters that exist at night time and slowly him so it's an odyssey it's a returning home odyssey yeah and Griffin Dunn plays a lead he is brilliant I think he's a really likeable why was he not given more uh, lead roles and I can't understand have you done some research is there a reason I just it's usually drugs if somebody's career halts like that, isn't it? Maybe I've just not seen the film. Maybe he, he done, he's work, he just maybe he's made bad choices. Mm. But um, uh, I just—it's uh, very it's surreal, 
an odd and the script is hilarious. I laughed out loud and I never knew what's going to happen. And because all the characters in it are in a, a bit insane, it's, it's got uh, Patricia Arquette in it. When the point where you think, oh, Patricia Arquette is really good. I used to really like her. Because you think sometimes she's done some terrible films. Yeah. And this, uh, sorry, not Patricia Arquette, um, uh, Rosanna, Rosanna Arquette, Arquette. yes. Um, Patricia Arquette's true romance. Yes. And Rosanna uh, Arquette's everything else. Yeah. <laughs> you, I, you forget how good people why they became really famous yeah. when you see them in so many terrible films she's brilliant in there she's, she's a kooky girl that uh, Griffin Dunn takes a fancy to and she's quite odd uh, there's brilliant um, cameos by uh, Terry Gar, who's a famous um, you recognise she's a famous sort of soap uh, at, what's she in that she was really Terry famous Gar. for she's in Close Encounters and the girl in Tootsie okay um I think she was in some sort of soap that she became famous. I'm sure she was. So what year was uh, After Hours? 1985. 85, okay. Um, I'm showing you a picture of Terry Gar. Oh, yes. Now, you recognise her. She's been in lots of uh, big films. She plays like a waitress in a cafe, this uh, sort of kooky waitress. All the dialogue is uh, odd and things go wrong. And it's not... It very much similar to the. I watched the double, which is the recent film. Richard Ayoade. Yeah, where the main, the lead, everything he's got a double, and everything starts to go wrong. Yes. After hours has a, that similar frustration and claustrophobia and uh, madness to it, but much wittier script, better performances, and feels original at every at every moment. I thoroughly enjoyed it, and I can't recommend this film highly enough. I think it's one of. Uh, Scorsese's best films and I don't understand why it's not uh, doesn't receive more plaudits if you like odd sense if you like the American World in London and you like that sort of quirky sense of humour it it just feels modern and it doesn't feel like it's 30 years old which it is now please go and watch this this is my hidden gem which a lot of people know it's just me doesn't know it yeah yeah it's it's one I I recommend it's not ever mentioned in articles about Scorsese or anything no they they always talk about Raging Bulls and Goodfellas I would I think this should be up there it's completely different and it feels really fresh and original and please write in and say if you disagree and and it is well known but I was really surprised after hours go and watch it cool alright track that down um well, that's uh, that's it for this week. We'll be back next week with yet more films. Um, keep watching. Oh, you look like you were going to say something. I was going to say keep watching the film, but it's going to sound weird after you say yet more films, and I say keep watching the film. Re- repetitive, wouldn't it? Yeah. It repetitive. Uh, well, we can't say the word films for two sentences, and then we can say it. Okay, so, that sounds like a good idea. Keep, keep watching, watching the, the films. films. Bye. A lot can happen in the next three years. Like a chatbot may be your new best friend. But what won't change? Needing health insurance. United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans are available for these changing times. Underwritten by Golden Rule Insurance Company, they offer budget-friendly, flexible coverage for people who are in between jobs or missed open enrollment. The plans last nearly three years in some states, with access to a nationwide network of doctors and hospitals. So for whatever tomorrow brings, United Healthcare Tri-Term Medical Plans may be for you. Learn more at UH1.com. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quinn's. 
Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And is all priced at 50% to 80% less than similar brands. Plus... Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com slash pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.